Welcome to the second episode of the Ability Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Holt. Ability is a podcast where I go around and talk to people with different disabilities to hear about their stories and struggles. On this episode, I talk to Jane Hash. She's a very funny and strong person. I can't wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, let's jump right in. So how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing all right. So tell me about OI as if I were to know nothing. Well, OI is a connective tissue disorder. And even though they try to categorize us, you know, type one, two, three, I don't even know how many categories there are right now. But a lot like autism is a spectrum disorder, so is osteogenesis imperfecta. Because even individuals within the same category, we're affected completely differently. We have similarities, but I think we have more differences. And there are eight types of which they vary in severity. Which type are you? Well, in the mid-70s, I was classified as type 3. See, yeah, see, that's the fun thing. Even when I was born, which I'm, I was born in uh, the 90s, there was only four types. So they've discovered four more types just in my lifetime, of which all of them symptoms-wise aren't that different. But they're all apparently different genetic strains. Uh, does anybody in your family have OI? Nope, I am the spontaneous mutation. Yeah, apparently that happens more frequently than I or anyone else I know knew, because I'm like that, and I know other people that are spontaneous mutations. Nobody in my family has it either. And I don't think it is as uncommon as I once believed, because in the area that I was belong, I would say within a 20-mile radius, there's like four or five other people. Yeah, so although it's genetic, it's apparently really common. The more I learn and mm-hmm. the longer I live, that it turns out that it's it tends to be, at least in my case, more spontaneous than not. When did you first realize that you were different? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I've always been different for a whole lot of reasons. I mean, I can't, I can't say... Like, you mean, when did I realize I had a disability? When you realized that you weren't the same as your best friend or whatever. Because for some people, that varies. Some people, they may have such a life and where they may not notice, you know, really internalize it for a while. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think I have always had an awareness that I am different, but I did not have any negative stigma attached to that. I mean, yes, I was the only person in my family who could not walk, but I was also the only person in my family who was determined to grow up to be an Apollo dancer and live in Harlem. So I don't know if I just had an identity crisis, um, but I've just kind of never been 
a cookie cutter kind of person in any capacity. I sympathize with that, though. As a child, I always enjoyed saying, I'm going to grow up to be this, and it's something that I would likely never be able to do. So I, I understand that. I right. don't know why that happened. I remember my mother crying when I would explain my detailed plan. I wasn't even five yet, but I had it all planned out how I would become an Apollo dancer. I don't know if you, do you know what that is? The Apollo Theater? Uh, I know the Apollo Theater. I've never heard of Apollo dancers. Okay, well, I don't know if it's still on TV or not, but there was a show where you could watch um, different entertainment at the Apollo Theater on TV. And at the opening of the show, they would have these dancers with, uh, you know, feathers and rhinestones and these elaborate costumes. And my mother would cry her eyes out because she knew I couldn't do that. And I was very confused because I know that I find a way to do whatever it is I want to do. I just thought she was racist because there were really no Caucasian people on the show. So... It led to an interesting conversation once I became an adult. And um, I have not yet been to the Apollo Theater, but I'm now a sideshow performer, and I get to wear all the fancy costumes I want to. What was it like uh, growing up for you? I live in a small town. It's much different today than it was when I was a kid. And... Uh, you know, I was just one of the kids. I went to the same school system. We didn't move. And I think that that was very good for me because I didn't have to constantly be introduced to a new group of kids. Everybody knew who I was from the neighborhood. And it was never a big deal. It, it bothers my mind today at what an issue it is for kids being bullied in school. I I didn't even know that kind of thing happened until I was out of school. Kids can be mean. Uh, I went through the same school system through my uh, kindergarten through 12th grade time, and I do find that really helpful. So you get a, a, a group that understands, and you're not constantly explaining, and they get you when it's not an issue. Right. Kids are way more accepting than adults, you know. I never had an issue with my peers. I had a few issues with a few teachers because I was the first student with a physical disability that you could see. You know, I was mm -hmm. the first wheelchair user in the entire school system. So they, they didn't know what to do, and some of them did better than others. You said you had trouble with teachers in grade school. What else was your grade school experience like? Well, I mean, I only had one experience, so I don't really have anything to compare it to, but it was not traumatic. I had to be kind of the uh, experiment as far as accommodations go. Like, the word accommodations 
wasn't even in anyone's vocabulary at that time. You know, and I don't know what exactly my mother had to do to make sure I had what I needed. But as a kid, I my first access issue that I can remember is there was a step that went from the kindergarten classroom to the playground. And, you know, I can't go down a step in a wheelchair. So I didn't get upset about it or panic. I just waved myself to the principal's office and said, you know, we need a ramp here. I can't get to the playground. They put a ramp there. So even at that young age, you were going to the boss and telling him you need a ramp. That's amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> What brings you joy in life? Being able to do things that I am successful at, you know, makes me happy. I, I am an advocate for many things, and usually when I'm working on a project or, or with someone who needs my advocacy skills, it's always successful. So that, that brings me joy. You know, being able to guide another person with a disability through the very complicated system of getting the services we need to live independently in our own homes. You know, when I can help someone do that successfully and the outcome is they get to choose where they live, I mean... That's better than that. In your lifetime, some landmark disability legislation has been passed in the United States. You have the American Disabilities Act, and then it was ratified in the early 90s. Does, do you feel like that has had an effect? Oh, absolutely, because I can remember when I was younger, and it was very difficult to go anyplace, because it seemed like nothing physically. You know, if I did pay ahead and asked if it was accessible, I would get there and I would encounter bizarre situations like steps that lead to an elevator. You know, I would get there and there would be, you know, two steps and they would say, you know, yeah, it's just two. And with the American Disabilities Act, they were able to give uh, architecture standards to where, you know, you need to have accessible entrances and things. Now, I still run into a lot of old buildings that are historical, in quotes, if you ask me, that are historical, that they don't put elevator or ramps in, or that maybe it's just too expensive so they can get out of it that way, which drives me up the wall. It, it is frustrating, but I do understand that with some older architecture, it's just not feasible. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I you know, like, I'm not crazy either. I'm not saying, yeah. Yeah. Continue on, sorry. Right. You know, I, there are places on this planet that are just not going to be accessible to me, and I accept that. I do not expect there to be an elevator put in the Grand Canyon. 
or to the top of, you know, Mount Everest was what I was thinking. That's never going to be an easy trek to get up to. But, you know, I think for everyday life, there should be a standard of where I'm able to go. You know, you shouldn't have to go to the courthouse and there'll be steps to get your driver's license, which is an issue in some places. Absolutely. And if it should be accessible, you'll have to get in. And it would be nice if we could pee while we're there, too. You know, accessible bathrooms are a challenge. I have been, had many surgeries in my lifetime, been torn apart and put back together. And you've not really had that, and especially you didn't necessarily have that opportunity, I imagine, growing up. Has that ever been a thought for you? And I had lots of opportunities. I I swear, and I am not exaggerating in the least. It does not matter the reason I go to a hospital. I recently had to go to the ER at the beginning of the summer because the heat snuck up on me and I my body is very sensitive to temperature. And I did not get my air conditioner put in in time because I didn't anticipate it getting hot. So I got overheated and I was dehydrated and I had to go get some fluids. Nothing life-threatening. Oh, they wanted, they had a list of tests. They wanted to start with, with um, I'm sorry, they wanted to start with x-rays and an echo. And then they wanted to admit me to do some other test on my heart. And they told me that if I didn't allow them to admit me to the hospital, I was going to die. Anytime I go to the hospital, they are ready to do some type of surgery to try to fix my OI, regardless of anything that's going on with me. Like I'm just a bag of bones, you know, for them to fix. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I had one surgery. I was nine. And it was not a big deal. I had one of my bones in one of my arms had a really exaggerated curvature to it. And they said they could straighten it out without putting a rod in it. There was no incision. But they screwed it up. They screwed it up and left me with more health problems than I had when I went into the hospital. And I was done. I never had another surgery. I never spent the night at a hospital again. Um, I've never taken any medication for a while. I have just learned to do things naturally. And so there was a period where I was on asthma medication because when I had that surgery, the anesthesia burned the sh out of the inside of my lungs and it induced asthma. So for, I'd say 15 years, I was on inhalers and taking asthma medications. But I have weaned myself off of all of that. Is it that bad experience that keeps you from having anything surgical become? You know, like what, you know, like I'm, I'm in no way advocating or saying you should. I'm just trying to understand. You know, what, 
you know, is that bad experience that keeps you from having anything else done? Um, that prevents me from having a surgery, yes. And any time I have taken any kind of pain medication, whether it's narcotics or just Tylenol, I have an adverse reaction. I still have the pain. Like, I'm also vomiting, hallucinating, diarrhea, cold sweats. Like, my body just does not respond to that. Now, if I take a natural remedy, it'll either do nothing or it will make me feel better. What adaptations have you had to make to the world around you? Any furniture that I use. Well, I can't say any, but a lot of it has to be custom made. Like, my desk, where I spend most of my time, it's custom made to suit my needs. This seat, any seat for my chairs are custom made so they support my body properly. That's really about it. I don't have a lot of gadgets. Like, I used to have to take a nebulizer with me when my lungs were in bad shape, but I was able to throw that away about 10 years ago. So, that's really it. Do you I, use I have a, a car seat. I ride in a... Go ahead. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry, continue. You have a car seat? Yeah, it's just a car seat. It's a plus-size car seat. Because Sweet. even though I have a height of a three-year-old, I got the booty of J-Lo. <laughs> so do you use a push chair or a power chair? I have one, two... I have four wheelchairs. And, you know, I'm always on that quest to find that perfect chair. But you can't. It's like people who walk trying to find one pair of shoes for everything. You're not going to wear the same shoes to go rock climbing as you are going to wear uh, with an evening gown, you know? So I've got my big power chair that I use primarily in my house. And it's got awesome features like an elevation because I'm really freaking short. So I can raise myself up like 16 inches to reach things. And it's got a recline feature so that I can frequently redistribute my body weight so I don't get any issues that that can lead to if you just sit in one spot and don't move all day. So that's cool. And it has a special custom attachment so that my cat can ride on my chair with me. That's awesome. That is very important, yes. And then I have another chair that's a power chair. It only weighs about 50 pounds. It does not have any extra um, comfort features. In fact, the seating on it, I constructed by using a cushion from a wheelchair I used to have and then a few supplies I picked up at the craft store, which includes a way of duct tape. And you can't tell by looking at it, 
and it's very easy to take on a frame because it's there's just not a lot to it. It's very skeletal. And then I have two manual chairs that I use, like, if I'm going to visit somebody's house, I'm not going to take one of the beasts. Hey, you got to remodel your house. I'm coming over for dinner, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. I didn't know I was talking to such a high roller. Four wheelchairs. Pun intended. And, and I, I, I told myself I am not allowed to get any more wheelchairs until I have a garage. Four wheelchairs, one of which has a cat attachment, which is the coolest thing I've heard of lately. I don't have anything that cool on my chair. I have a DV- I have a portable DVD case in which I cut the insides out to hold stuff. It's kind of, it's kind of like a man purse, and that's that that that's okay. my main attachment. <laughs> well, I I have something like that too. You know, I think a lot of us are just so accustomed to the environment we have created that you know when somebody asks me the what kind of extra gadgets do you have? I don't think about it because it's just always there. It's always, I've been doing this for so long. You know, you have nothing else to compare it to. But yeah, I have something like that. I call it, it's like a fanny pack for my chair. And it was made by the nonprofit Classy Little Fashion Foundation. They have a line of accessories that's going to be coming out through wheelchairs, like seatbelt covers and these pouches that have pockets. So now I only leave that on my chair that stays in my house. When I leave the house, I put all that crap in my purse. If uh, if you could have any job, if education, cost, physical ability were not a factor, if it was just pure enjoyment, what would you like to do? I'm pretty sure I would still do what I do. I am studying to be a naturopathic doctor so that when I publish books I'm writing about how I've maintained my health and well-being. I'll have a little bit more credibility with my readers if I'm Dr. Hash, and I plan to move to a climate where it does not snow, and if the FDA, DEA, and other parties involved get their together, I would love to have a career in the cannabis industry as far as teaching people safe ways to use it and the benefits it has and educating medical professionals on how to help their patients access cannabis. Uh, who inspires you? It doesn't have to be someone also with with a disability. Just who inspires you? Well, to do what? Because different people inspire me in different ways. Well, who do you look up to? I just, I'm just kind of in a general sense. I don't know. To, how, however you want to answer it. Naturopathy is a big part of my life. 
and that is a study. Of, I mean, I'm a plant geek. This is me all the time. And the pioneers, Dr. Christopher Ted Bragg and Kellogg, they were the three main people in the United States that started introducing to our population, you know, other than the Native Americans who who were already hit to all of this, but most love, and it took us a while to catch on. Um, and the Native Americans are who inspired the three gurus whose work I follow. And so definitely them. I can't give a lecture or teach a class without mentioning one of the three of them. But as far as advocacy and disability-related issues, the late Stella Young, I felt, and she would get mad if anyone said she was an inspiration, but she was another way matter. She did things in a non-inspirational way, which was a new way of being an advocate. And if you if you're not familiar with her work, um, Stella Young TED Talk definitely worth a googling. She was amazing and hilarious and an atheist and everything that people assume disabled people are. She was the opposite, and she was great at it. What is the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome? Oh, that's an easy one. My greatest challenge is bad policy. Bad policy is so more disabling than any diagnosis I can think of. Um, just an example. I have been lobbying and fighting for their right to have a job where I am gainfully employed my whole life. And I'm not there yet. Now, I am not saying nobody will hire me. I'm not saying that I'm not qualified. What I'm saying is if I accept one of these many jobs I am offered, I will lose the service of home care, which means I will not be able to get out of bed to do my job, which makes no sense. Things are improving a little bit. At least I can see the light at the end of the tunnel with the recent passage of the A Better Life Experience Act. It was passed about two years ago. And now the states are implementing it, which each state, anyone with a physical or any kind of disability, actually, can open up an able bank account. It's not implemented in every state yet, but they're working on it. It's implemented in Ohio. And what these bank accounts do is they allow us to put aside a certain amount of money. And it will not be counted against us in any capacity. So 
I could have money in there and not lose my service so I would be able to get out of bed and do my job. But here's the kicker. Right now, the entirety of the bill has not been passed. So as it stands, I can put money in this account if it's given to me. I'm not allowed to work for it. It has to be donated. But of course, since I am bitching about it right now, I'm on two committees that are working to change this, change this situation because I'm not going to put forth the energy to complain about something if I'm not going to put forth the energy to fix it. Well, that's really awesome. I haven't heard of that before, but that sounds really neat once it's fully implemented. The way I heard you describe it then is basically that it's a, a an account that you can set aside so much money and it's not taxable, basically, is it? and it won't count against any of your government-assisted help. Right. So, like, when I have to fill out the annual paperwork to reapply for the services I get and they ask, how much income have you earned? I would be allowed to honestly say none because it would not count. How do you think that people see you? I don't have time to worry about that. I got things to do. They must think I'm a genius because I get a whole lot of emails every day. People are asking me for advice on, on all kinds of things that you'd be amazed. I ask that question because my follow-up question is, how do you wish people would see you? I wish they'd see me for my true self, which, you know, changes a little bit every day. I was pretty bitchy yesterday, and uh, today seems to be going much better. But, um, yeah, I don't like it when people look at me, and automatically they give me that look. Like I'm a puppy with a broken leg. And they're like, ah. Now, depending on the type of day I am having when that happens, um, determines what kind of a response they get from me. And occasionally, I will ask these perpetrators if they looked in the mirror before they left the house. Because they would judgmentally look don't really apply to the image I'm portraying. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Basically, they look way more up than I do, is what I'm trying to say nicely. Like, if you're going to judge me for being pathetic or pitiful or fragile or needy, wash your hair and cover your track mark. You mentioned earlier the Classy Little Fashions Foundation, and I also read about that, of which you are the co-founder and director. Tell me a little bit more about that. I am a co-founder and director. Um, it's really awesome. Like, I'm educated and I'm successful, but I had to decline a few opportunities. And other opportunities did not go as successful as I had hoped. And none of it had anything really to do with my intellect or ability to do what I do, it was because of the way I was dressed. You know, if you're going to sit in front of 300 students 
in, in a university-type setting, and you look like you're wearing your mother's clothes because they're hanging off of you, and just you look like a lump of fabric. Or a child's clothes. That's also an issue. Yes. Right. Pink sweatpants. You know, you're not going to have the same impact as if you were dressed like a professional adult. And I was bitching about this constantly on Facebook. And I got a response from a lady one day who asked if she could come over and go through my drawers and not that that's the only time that's ever happened on the internet, but that's the first time I decided she, she's not a creeper. She legitimately wants to see what's going on with my clothes so she can maybe help me do something about it. And she came over and we talked for hours. And by the end of our conversation, we realized this is not an isolated situation. There are a lot of people who have asymmetrical body types because of various physical disabilities. And they're educated, professional people who are dressed awkwardly and possibly missing out on career opportunities because of their presentation. And we need to do something about that. So we got a lot of attention our first year, and which was great. And uh, this past year, we've been really busy at headquarters. When I say we, I don't mean me, because I can barely spell on a button. I'm the loudmouth for the organization. And my co-founder and director, Carol E. Briney, she is the fashion technologist mastermind who I am convinced can make anything for anybody. She designs all of our clothes. We have an intern who is also designing clothes now. And it's just been a phenomenal experience. We will have two clients outfitted by the end of the year. And I'm excited to... You know, I, I see all these clothes and I want to post them on social media, but have to save it, gotta save it up so we can launch everything at once and show everybody the hard work that we've been putting into this. And uh, nobody else is doing it. I mean, there are so many untapped niche markets when it comes to providing fashionable clothing for people with disabilities. There's no competition. So we just support each other. There's Downs Designs, Able Denim. Every disability has a different requirement when it comes to fashion. We are finding that there are some similarities in dressing people with osteogenesis imperfecta. Um, all of us tend to overheat pretty easy. So naturally thin fabric tend to work best for us. It's been a great experience, and I'm excited to see what we're going to do next. 
Yeah, uh, reading about it the other night, I was really impressed and kind of amazed and excited that that was a thing. Granted, I am a guy, so I have less trouble, and I'm well aware to admit that, that it is not as hard for me as especially women or other people who, who have it worse than I do. But there are times where I do struggle to find things that either look nice or aren't for children. Like I was shopping for dress shoes once. I needed a pair of dress shoes. And I couldn't find a pair of dress shoes in the city that didn't have Velcro on them. So I had to order them off the Internet, <laughs> which was insanity. Then about science is a man, and he is going to be quite a sharp-dressed man. My final question for you, which I try to end with, is if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say at the pearly gates? And uh, that which God? Whichever one's for you. Just... That's, that's a hard one for me. I am, but I, am, I am not a Christian. I am pagan. Um, specifically animist. And our cruel belief is that every living thing has divinity. Trees, you know, dirt, people, cats, dogs. Everything has got a little bit of God in it, so be nice. And uh, as far as heaven goes, I wouldn't mind it being just like this, but without the dish. Well, I will say that you take the cake for the most unique answer I've heard for that question. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You're like, I don't say that being, you know, mean or anything. I mean, that seriously, that that's really... Right. As long as there's cats, chocolate, and other people I like, I'll be happy. And none of the people you don't like. That's important. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I said, I have always known... I was different, but for a variety of reasons. Well, I'm out. Thanks so much for doing this with me. Sure, thanks a lot. Let me know when uh, it's ready, and I'll be happy to share it with my following. Thanks so much to Jane Hash for being on the second episode of the Ability Podcast. You can follow Jane on Twitter at hashitout underscore Jane. You can follow myself on Twitter at the Jacob Holt and the show on Twitter at Ability Podcast. You can send me an email at abilitypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I really enjoy doing this podcast and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Please feel free to leave a review in iTunes. It really helps out the show. Thank you so much. I can't wait till next time. <laughs>